Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. I had a a really good friend of mine um, that I was in prison with. Uh, We became really close and and she originally came down to Pride to try it out. And uh, we had uh, Leah Atkinson as as her counselor. And she recommended that I, you know, also to come down. She was really trying to get me to. And I was ready. I was really ready to, you know, surrender and just get rid of everything. Uh, Feelings, you know, start feeling those again. Uh, and it was, um, because of my friend that I chose to come down there and I asked for Leah and they did transmute over. And now, um, you know, she's just been an amazing part of my life and I'm grateful for all that she did and what pride has done as a whole. So you left prison, went straight to pride and what was that experience like? And the shift of just going from like lockdown to kind of the open chaos that is Pride Institute. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, for a year after I, I continued to use, um, but you know, it was within that year that I, I knew I just didn't want to do this anymore. Um, and pride has just been, it's just a blessing in disguise. Literally. Um, I'm just, the transition that I made from prison to being on parole. I was on parole for about four months. Um, and you know, it, it probably wasn't long enough, but it, uh, it was long for me at the time. And, uh, I decided to go out right on that weekend and use, you know, the, when I got off and I ended up using for almost another year. And then I was just like, you know what, I'm done. This is, this is, this is too much. I've done this for 24 years and I, I did, I'm done. I'm done and tired playing the game. Definitely. So then just to make sure that I have the timeline right, you went to prison and then you kind of stepped down into pride. And then once the parole ended after four months, you used again for about the next year after and then came back to pride. No, actually, I had uh, used a year after I got out of prison and then I went to pride. My friend that I met in prison um, had, you know, gone down and checked this out and you know, it was about my sexuality. I've been fighting it my entire life. And it's something I also chose uh, not to um, deal with anymore. You know, it was like, I wanted to be me. I'm sick and tired of playing this game for other people. I want to be me. Yeah. And that's obviously a common theme that we see at Pride and and all of our clients and and what have you. Um, What was your drug of choice, the thing that you were using? Uh, Methamphetamine. Okay. And did that have anything to do with why you went to prison? Uh, it did. It did. I was in, uh, got in trouble for a stimulant. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic that it was a felony now and now it's a misdemeanor, but at the same time, it's like, you know what, God had a plan for me. And I just know that that's exactly what I needed. I needed to go into this place and, you know, either make the best of it and, you know, look at my AA and NA and, uh, my faith or, you know, recidivate. And I'm not going to do that. I didn't want to do that. Um, I saw the struggle that other people went through and I just didn't want that to happen for me. Yeah. And you mentioned pride being like a blessing in disguise, but it sounds like yeah. prison also was a blessing in disguise. Yes, it was definitely. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that experience. 
Yeah. And maybe that informed you of like why you might have wanted to seek treatment, even though there's right. still career in between. It's just interesting how life works its way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, the, I did eight months. I was supposed to get out at four, um, ended up getting in trouble for something, you know, and then uh, going to SEG for five days, which is ironic because I'm not that kind of person. Um, but it was over an Excedrin, but it was a loose pill. And, you know, even though how minor it was, uh, I had to stay another four months. I lost my work release. I lost my job. I did grounds crew. So I was constantly outside enjoying, you know, the weather. And, um, you know, I, I ended up losing all of that, you know? And so it was like, God put this perspective in me and just said, you know, either, you know, what are you going to do with this time? What are you going to do with this time? Are you going to make it? Or are you going to break it? Shauna, you mentioned uh, your faith a few times, and I was yeah. wondering if we could just touch on that. Uh, a lot of times in the LGBTQ community, we have people really avoiding that relationship with their faith because yeah. it, uh, it's terrifying for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Do you want to expand just a little bit on what that means to you and how you use it in your recovery? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up with, uh, the Lutheran faith. Um, my grandmother and my mom, they really instilled these, you know, beliefs in me at a, at a young age. And I know that, you know, a lot of people struggle uh, with not having that opportunity as they grow up. So they don't really know what it's like, um, until they're asked to try it. And, you know, it's, it's difficult when it's something that is, you know, beyond your grasp or, you know, belief. And there's so many, other, you know, systems of belief that you can, um, choose. And I mean, I know for a while, even, you know, I was upset with God and, and, uh, you know, even trees were what I wanted for a while, you know, or family and, and, you know, you can really make your higher power, whatever you want it to be, as long as you know that you can surrender to, um, that life force and, you know, make the best of the situation. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful though, that I did have, you know, God, Jesus in my life. And for a long time, I really did question that just because of my sexuality, because I had gotten so much from outside, um, influences that, you know, stated it was wrong. And you know what? It's not wrong. It's not wrong for you to feel the way you feel period. And no, God's going to ever punish you for that period. You're a human being. And then how was that experience for you growing up in a faith-based household? Uh, did you feel like that suppressed, you know, your sexuality, who you were, or was it something that really didn't affect you at all? You know, I did, um, probably because other families, um, you know, were basically in the eighties, you know, saying that this was wrong. It was wrong for you to feel that way. Um, it's, it's not right. It's against the Bible. It's against God. And so for a long time, yeah, I believe that, you know, very much. And, I know that through, through the times and just growing up, you know, and, and being in sobriety too, um, having my faith has just been an absolute miracle. Literally. I, I, I don't think I could get through this if I didn't have my faith. And I'm just so grateful that I, I have, you know, not only my family and growing up with it and, um, uh, my grandmother, God bless her. She's, uh, She's a huge reason why, you know, I still believe in God because she's so Godful and so Godlike. And she's just a beautiful woman, 96. And she's really pushed it on me. You know, not like made me believe or, you know, say you should do this. It was just a feeling of love, you know, and that's that's all encompassing right there. Yeah. And when you mentioned, you know, not feeling, I guess, secure in your sexuality and how like pride helped you really explore 
that? What was it that Priya did? You know, first walking in was uh, pronouns. I didn't even know what the heck that was all about. Um, but I do respect the pronouns now. And, uh, you know, when I first walked in, it wasn't, you know, it was also just the, uh, the support of my counselor and staff. But, you know, the people that I roomed with and the um, camaraderie that we all have in some point um, or another that we are the same no matter what, you know, we all might be different, come from different um, backgrounds, but we all, you know, not only are dealing with that, what we call a struggle too, still um, your sexuality, but addiction and mental health too, you know, it's, it's huge. So I'm grateful for all the people that I met. I still have a lot of really good friends uh, that I talk to that I've been in recovery with and, and we are, share stories all the time. And, you know, unfortunately we've had a couple people that have, you know, um, passed, but unfortunately that's just kind of a part of the disease and, and, um, you just have to kind of make that a reminder, you know, basically where you can be too, you know? So. Yeah. And then I know that we are on zoom right now and you are zooming in from your place of work, which is also in the field. You don't have to share where, um, but, um, tell me what made you want to work in the field after having gone through it yourself? You know, after using for God, over 24 years off and on, um, it was really all I knew. And I know that when everybody else was starting families and having kids, you know, I was still out there partying, you know, and it's like all this time just went by and I had no regard to my life at all during that period of time. I'm grateful though, that I've taken the opportunities, the negative opportunities, the positive opportunities, and just placed them in front of myself. Um, and just really took a serious look at what I wanted to do. And, you know, the only thing, like I said, that I know is addiction and mental health. And I, I just, I had to help out. I have to be there for others. Uh, it is an amazing feeling to really, you know, touch somebody and, you know, open their eyes to not only their disease, but, you know, who they are as a person recovery wise, you know, any questions, just feel comfortable and know that they're loved. That is the most important thing. Definitely. Do you find like any kind of, I guess not nostalgia, but like, it really wasn't that long ago that you were in treatment yourself, even though you yeah. are in long-term recovery, long recovery now, um, as what do you have to do to, I guess, avoid some of those triggers of seeing someone in early recovery? You know, my job helps out a lot with that too. I see these guys coming in each and every day. Um, and it reminds me of where I could be again. And, you know, throughout the day, each and every day, um, it, it's always a constant reminder of where I can be. Um, and then with that, you know, I want to be able to take any experience that they may be going through and apply that, you know, one of my situations to their situation, whatever it may be, and, you know, try and help them out as best they can. But I think it's being more supportive than anything than telling somebody how to do something. We just want to have an understanding and, and let them know that we're there for them and that it's going to be okay. You know, I mean, I, I have to say that I can't believe that I'm sober, that I'm in recovery. I never thought I would ever, ever come this far. Um, and it, it is just a beautiful thing. You know, I mean, my worst day is definitely, you know, my best day at the same time too, because it's, 
nothing like, you know, coming off a hangover or coming off drugs and, you know, especially tired. Cause I know in the field now we're all shorthanded right now. And, uh, we all have to put in those extra hours too. So that can wear and tear on us too, but it's all about, you know, being there for these guys and, and all those people that are in recovery. Yeah. Shauna, it's incredible that after 24 years of using off and on that you decided to take that hard step into treatment. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, what were some of the patterns that you had to unlearn things that you had to relearn coping skills that you had to build to be able right. to move forward after 24 years of using? You know, a lot of it was, uh, I developed a lot of anger issues. Um, if I don't take care of that stuff kind of right in the beginning or nip it in the bud and know what the precursors are to that behavior, I wouldn't succeed. You know, you have to be able to take the time and really see, you know, what it is that's affecting you um, negatively and, you know, use those coping skills that you do learn and you have to use them all the time in order for them to be, you know, a natural part of what you do each and every day. And I just think that's beautiful in itself right there. You know, I mean, AA meetings, NA meetings, this is what it's all about. You know, it's just that uh, I have so many coping skills too, that I don't even realize that I'm doing now, you know, that I've implemented it in my recovery and it, it is a blessing. And I, I, I realize it even more um, each and every day that when I come into work um, and and I'm able to see the guys go through something and I'm able to go, Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I have that too. And, you know, be able to, you know, have that camaraderie and, and talk about it and, and remember that I too still have issues that I have to, um, one of the treatment facilities that I was located at you know, up in Grand Rapids, it was uh, thoughts, determined feelings, determined behavior. And I will never forget that. And it's true. You know, we have to be able to look at the precursors to, uh, everything to make sure that, you know, we're doing what we need to do in our recovery first and then be able to help those also in their own recovery. Absolutely. Uh, what are some of the things that make you excited, uh, today about living a life in recovery? Oh man. Uh, I got my family back, you know, uh, friends, um, I've gotten rid of all the people that I've ever used with. Uh, I just look forward to each and every day and, everything that comes with it, negative or positive and everything that I've, you know, grown from. And then of course, learning the motto, um, thoughts, determine feelings, determine behavior. Um, that was one thing I remember staring at a board of treatment in Grand Rapids and, uh, you know, just taking it in. And it, it just, the more I looked at it, the more I really absorbed what it meant. It, it really truly, um, sunk in and, and, it has just been a, a huge, it's those little things, you know, those little cliches that we all at one point probably thought they were stupid or whatever. But at the same time, now those cliches are what has helped save my life. So I never would look at it that way anymore either. So. Well, thank you so much for being here, Shauna. We really yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for the work you do in the field and for paying it forward. So that's amazing. I love it. And I'm grateful for you guys too. Thank you all. Thank you so much for everything that you guys do too. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. We'll see you next time.